Right, I've just started the recording just to see. I'll just get the levels right. Do you want to tell us what you've had for dinner last night? Bugger if I can remember, I think it was pizza and salad. <laughs> pizza and salad. Hi, and welcome to the Rustic Ranger podcast. My name's Tom, and I'm a ranger. And like all rangers, the outdoors is my natural habitat. My job involves working in the countryside, conserving wildlife, and providing visitor access. I love my job, and when I'm not in the countryside, I'm usually talking about it. I'll be doing a series of interviews where I'll be talking with some really interesting people about their relationship with the countryside, nature and the outdoors in general. What does it mean to them and why is it so important? Grab a cup of coffee and let's find out. For the listeners, Al is a long-time gardener for the National Trust at Sheffield Park and Garden. You're a local boy, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and you're a go-to man for all things practical and history. So from fixing broken tractors and old tools to landscaping ponds and building replica military shelters, you know a lot, an incredible amount, in fact, about the history of Sheffield Park. Uh, and you're regularly sought after to answer questions about the estate and its past. Um, and you've been here for 50 years. Yeah, just into 50. Just, just into starting 50 years. my 50th year. So 49 and a bit, um, <laughs> and you're retiring tomorrow. Yep. So end of an era for, for us and for you. Yeah. Um, so thanks for coming on, and I'll start by asking you, what was your interview like when you first started? So was that 1970? G1. 1971. August 1971. Wow. Yeah. So what was that like? <sighs> That's... Completely different to what you'd have now. You, um, I come to apply for the job, and then um, the land agent of the area, yeah, actually come to my house and give me the interview. Came to your house. Yep. Oh right, wow. And then asked me questions, looked at school reports. Um, one of the main things he asked me, apart from being interested in gardening, yeah, was my history but could I drive a tractor could you <laughs> because they were, yeah. hadn't had one but they were looking at getting one here yeah because when I did um, then within a week I got a letter give me a dot dot time so from leaving school within two weeks I was working here oh right fantastic so it wasn't it wasn't particularly formal like the interviews are today nope because I know no. I went through a, a group assessment and then a formal yeah. one-on-one interview. He just cut, land agent come out, give me an interview at home, and then I received the letter you're starting. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't know what whether it's a fortnight, a month's trial, um, but I've never heard anything from that. Oh, right. So he came round to your house. He's, he's presumably testing your tea-making skills as well, was he? Did you make them a That was mum's job. That was it? <laughs> Brilliant. 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 So, so what led you to work at Sheffield Park? Why, why gardening? Why here? I guess, because when I was at school, there was no thing as being dyslexic. Right. Which apparently I found out I am. Right, okay. So you fell in a category of either being thick or lazy. Really? That's how they classed wow. you at school. And I knew both of them, I... I wasn't that 
in my head I knew I wasn't yeah, but yeah, I couldn't so. do anything else but it's only after I left school that it was diagnosed as being dyslexic okay I still can't spell I can read but I yeah. still cannot spell a thing that must have been really hard to not have that recognized no but I did know when we went they started having career officers interviews mm. You never seen them before, you only ever seen them once in the last year at school. And I walked in and it was like, you walked in and he said, oh, Bradford, Alan, isn't it? I said, yeah, he said, don't bother to sit down. He said, um, you just want to stick to farming. Really? And I walked out and without swearing, thought, <laughs> this is not long ago, I want to be outside, but yeah. I'm not going, because I've been brought up in the farming community. Yeah. And I know I loved it. Yeah. It's not something I wanted to do as a career. Sure. I just wanted to be outside working with the environment. Absolutely. And with my family connections to having members of family working on the three and a half thousand estate of Sheffield Park, which it was. Mm. I mean, the trust owned just short of 500 acres. That's right, yeah. Um, and with the stories that went with it from my both sides of my family, as my, to put it in simple terms, my father's side was more connected with farming. Mm -hmm. My mum's side, her brother was one of the gamekeepers here. Oh, really? And her sister was one of the kitchen maids. Well, so there's plenty of uh, connections so there, isn't there? The stories in Sheffield Park, playing out in Walkwood with all the remnants of the Second World War and other bits of history, it just, it was just, seen that's where I wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so you, were, you grew up in Fletching? Yeah, I was born in the parish of Fletching. Oh, right, okay. So, and you now, you don't live too far away now either, do no, you? No, about you three, Fletching? three miles up the road, really. Oh, right. That's brilliant. That's about as local as it gets, isn't it? Yeah. Cool, excellent. So, um, have you always enjoyed spending time outdoors? His, his yeah, I, I, my father was, we've always spent time shooting and fishing. I had an uncle that was, you would class him now as um, a shooting conservationist. Mm -hmm. He always believed that um, if you go shooting, it's not a right, it's a privilege. You treat it as a privilege mm -hmm. and the environment that you're working in. Right. And he was a very, he used to teach, Here's the one that taught me wildflowers, butterflies, birds. We'd go walking along hedgerows. Yeah. Um, and he was the one that really taught me the environment. Yeah. Um, and I, that's where I got the love from it. And like I say, um, always done shooting and fishing. And the two should go together. Mm -hmm. it's, there's, you can't separate them. They have to work together. A balance. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, 50 years later, can you remember your first day? Yeah. 1971. <laughs> We're sitting in the shant. We are, building. yeah. We're, we're this, sitting in the shant. This was our mess room. A no lighting, no water. The best you had was a nice log fire. Really? In the other room. Um, and kit was fairly basic, really. And I can remember the head gardener, um, Fred. Um, Dench had passed away that year, so it was assistant Ed, Bill Woodford, 
um, and him and two other guys, Harold Dean and Will Welfare, all locals. Yeah. Um, well, Bill wasn't. He moved to this part. Okay. But I went to school with his son. Oh, really? Who was a bit younger than me. Right. But um, he's the first thing was he. We come down to the shant. This is where he left all the kit. <clears throat> he said, "Can you use a swap for people?" A swap is probably known as Sussex word. It's like a sickle, a grass hook. Yeah. Or you might call it a grass so hand side. Hand side. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Sussex wise, we know it's a swap. A swap. Ah, no. And we were taught to use swaps at primary school because it's the only way you could cut around the vet, trim around the vegetable garden. Really? So any so of the, that in school? E even the nine or ten years old were taught to use a swap. Really? Now they wouldn't. <laughs> and you were taught to sharpen them really sharp so you didn't put no effort into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So my first job was to go and look at this nursery, which was... Um, I'm trying to think what it would be in metric. Probably by nine, ten metres square. Mm -hmm. um, and it hadn't been looked at for years. Somewhere in amongst this six-foot chestnut fencing with brambles and bracken were some <laughs> rows of trees. Yeah. And he said, can you swap all that out? I said, yeah. So left me. They all disappeared. And I'd probably finish that by midday. And then I thought, where is everyone? <laughs> there is no radios. Yeah. The only way you could define, and it's something I miss now, yeah. everyone whistled while they were working. Whistle? So um, like an actual whistle or just like a Just human a whistle, whistle just tune or and... some would whistle a few notes as there'd be a tune that they always seem to whistle when they yeah. were working. Right. Or like Will Welfare, it was like three continuous notes. It just plodded along. It got a bit annoying after a while, but it, <laughs> but if you stood and listened, you could hear who was where. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In the distance. Yeah. Because of what they were whistling. Brilliant. So, what was your whistle then? Did you? Have... But is it a bit like Greenslee's? Um, <laughs> God, now I could try and whistle it now. <laughs> Give um, it a go. <laughs> Brilliant. And then just people knew where you were and... Yeah, that's, that's how you know, because it was yeah. so quiet. Like, even when public were in, it was quiet. Really? How we many did... visitors did you get oh, back I can't then, remember then? now. Because we get a lot remember. now, don't we? We get thousands. Oh, yeah. It's, it's colossal to what it was. Yeah. And the garden isn't... We've opened it up in the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you go to Lower and Upper Woman's, you never went out what the cricket field, Queen's Walk. Mm. You know, that wasn't part of the gardens. So that's all new. That's, that's Seven Sisters wasn't part of the garden. Um, and they were just opening up Palm Walk and down Big Tree Walk. That was restricted. The fence into Walk. We didn't own Walk Wood. So now all that's been opened up. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Um, so there was only four or five of us in the garden really? working it. Um, eight members of staff altogether. Eight altogether. Two ladies used to work reception. 
right, which yeah. was a ticket office yeah. run, what it is now. So the whole property was just eight people. Wow, that's, that's, that's completely different to, to today. Yeah. Let's yeah. go simpler times. So um, with, with all this massive experience and, and all the time that you've spent here, um, I imagine you have some great memories and, and stories of, of things that have happened. Yeah, some of them we won't say. <laughs> really? um, um, yeah, some of them are a learning curve. This, let's see, there's occasion where machines ended up in the lake <laughs> because we only had certain big mowers for mowing everything. You, yeah. learnt, you tried to get as much grass as you could and you knew they'd hang to the bank mm -hmm. but sometimes it didn't and you learnt that if you lost it not to fight it just turn it towards the lake because it would usually rest on the edge and you could pull them back out if they slid inside. Oh, right. So you didn't go in and get completely submerged and no, if they slid, we were No, uh, if they slid in sideways it was a major operation to get them out but if you lost it just turn it to the lake and if it dropped in you could hit the tractor and pull them back out yeah yeah uh, <laughs> and this yeah. other thing is one one of the lads we were trapped on trailer and there's a process of hitching up the trailer um or unhitching it so disconnect the oil fee yeah put the winder down yeah. Then take the draw pin out mm -hmm. and drive off. Absolutely, yeah. Simple. Yeah. We had one bloke come back. Um, don't know what he'd done, but he must have lowered the hook and he must have taken the draw pin out, but not disconnected the oil feed. And okay. we we're trying to shout and this oil line was getting out. I've never seen one stretch so far. <laughs> and we we're trying to stop him. When he stopped, the tra trailer took off and went up the back of the tractor. But the oil line never split. Oh, really? It never... I've never seen one stretch out so far, but <laughs> yeah, there was a process of what he should have done, yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's learning curve, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you've got to break things to fix them. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So, I mean, um, I've been here for nearly two years and I already know that you are the go-to man around here when someone wants to fix something or work out a solution to a problem or find inspiration for a project. Have you always had this ability to know something uh, or how something should be done, or how to some, work something out, or does that come with experience? It comes with experience, but it comes probably from my childhood. Mm. We never had computer games. Um, all right, so you're talking of the end of the 50s, 60s. Um, it was a matter of finding things to occupy yourself. Yeah, but I was yeah. lucky with my uncles and my father and my grandfather that they would, even at eight, nine year old, yeah. I was using hammers, saws, chisels, and mm. they would sh show me how to do carpentry, different bits. My dad was a me good mechanic. He learned that in the army. Um, so we was always mucking about with machines on the track, on the farm, we was always helping out with fencing, yeah. um, fixing things. If you're stuck out in the field, you couldn't, you couldn't call anyone you had to learn to deal with it and try and fix it there on the spot or yeah, yeah. find a solution. You can't walk two miles back to the farm. <laughs> it's a long old way. Um, yeah. And my father always taught me that the only thing that's stopping me from 
making something or doing something is not having the tools. If you've got the mm. tools, you can create anything. Anything's possible. Yeah. Awesome. So, do you have a favourite part of Sheffield Park? I mean, I know it was three and a half thousand acres back then, and we've got a mere <coughs> just shy of 500, but is there a place around here that, that's particularly not special? Particularly, I suppose if for interest-wise for me, if I stand on the ride going out to up through Manly Wood mm. above the cricket field, yeah, yeah. that point I could give you a complete history lesson from the 1700s right up to today. Wow. In that one spot, taking in Upper Woman's yeah. and East Park on the cricket field. To me, that's where I used to play with as a kid. Yeah. Um, there's still the Second World War stuff about, and there's still all the old connections to pumping systems yeah, and yeah. the connection to Fletching, which Sheffield Park comes under the Fletching Parish. Yeah. So, yeah. That's my favourite spot. It's one of the highest points. Yeah, um, yeah, you do look down on the rest of the estate from there, don't you? And history-wise, you could give a real, without travelling around, you can probably give a good history that one yeah. point. Yeah. Fantastic. So, if you could do it all again, would would you do anything differently? No. You you're pleased with how it's gone? Yeah, even when you get the bad stuff. Um, if you changed it, I wouldn't have learned anything. Yeah, that's very wise. You can't, <clears throat> you have to see mistakes or make mistakes to learn anything. If you took them away, you haven't learned anything through your life. Mm. And you ha and my uncle, I said, he always said, Observe people and what they're doing. You'll learn a lot more by watching people work mm. and techniques. Yeah. yeah. Um, and basically, he said, "No one likes a smart ass. So act a little bit more ignorant than you are, and you'll learn a lot more." <laughs> That's brilliant. I think I'll remember that one. The um, so after all this time, what do you think has been your biggest contribution to, to Sheffield Park, or your, your proudest achievement? I mean, you've done so much. Is there anything that particularly stands out? That's a difficult one. Um, yeah, it's toughy that one, sorry about that. Putting <laughs> <laughs> it in basic terms, any challenge was a challenge to solve it. Mm. Um, it's looking at the challenge, seeing if you've got the stuff to do it. If you hadn't, see if you can obtain the stuff and then do it. Mm. Um, I suppose the other thing is, I've always been a stable or consistency through, which I think is probably why people come to me because it's, I feel like I'm pretty consistent. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've always, Learn the 87 storm always taught me to you look at that and you think everything's going to change just got to bend a little bit sometimes absolutely if um, you stay rigid you get knocked over that must have been a, a crazy time after uh, the that's storm. that's probably the biggest learning curve that i've ever come across one because it was first of all it's shock 
Mm. Then you had to start working out what you're doing. But through that, that was nearly three years solid work to try and three get, years. get the garden back to normality. What you did learn through there was the comradeship, but in a crisis you need a sense of humour. Yeah. That's it gets on top of you. All the time we've all got a joke, sense of humour, yeah. even though it was serious, it's what helps you go through it. Yeah, yeah, sense of humour is so important. Yeah. So important, definitely. So do you have a favourite tool or piece of machinery? Because you use everything, and I've seen you use the digger. Um, um, I guess, yeah, my favourite tool, and, you, I, and uh, I, how can I explain it's a billock. Is it? Nobody hardly ever uses a billock now. Yeah. One, if we're loading up trailer or cutting brush or trimming up uh, rubbish, everyone yeah. uses a loppers. Uh-huh. You have to use loppers two-handed. Mm-hmm. When you want to pick up stuff and load it, you have to put them down. Mm-hmm. Or if, with a billock, the only time I would put it down is if I had to use a saw. You can pick the branch up the tip of the hook so you don't have to bend all the way down. Mm-hmm. You can trim up everything, yeah, as long yeah. as you know how to sharpen one. Yeah. And you can all keep round the bundle of stuff and load it on the trailer. It never leaves your hand. Yeah. Where other tools, you watch people clump away with loppers, put them down, pick up the stuff, put it in, yeah. trailer. Um, you can trim up, can go hedging with a billet. Mm. It was the tool I was learned. A swap and a billet was the main tools I was brought up with as a kid. That's really interesting. I thought you were going to go for the for the digger because ah, I, my I've second seen you piece use one of my some mach- of the neatest holes I've ever seen in my, my life. Probably the loader comebacko. Yeah, is probably my best bit of machinery because after years of digging tree stumps and doing path work by hand mm. using a pick shovel that the backhoe the front loader getting roots out and doing path work makes life a lot easier yeah definitely I mean, and, and it saves on manpower and time it does it does but there's a rumor going around that you might be able to open a jam jar with the with the digger do you think do you think you could we could have a practice of moving an egg with a <laughs> i don't fancy a go on that no, <laughs> no i'll it. stick to big rocks and tree stumps uh, so I, I, obviously you love your history um, and that's a big part of, of your career and, and your life as well. Um, is there a particular element or, or piece of history about Sheffield Park that interests you or is it all of it in general or Cause when so I, much? I guess when I was a kid, because we played in especially Walkwood and most of the woodland around the estate, the Second World War because it was there mm. and being my my birthday's eleventh of November. Is it? You get I, that quiet. I never uh, been allowed to forget what that day is. Yeah. So yeah. Remembrance Day, and the Second World War, the stories that come from Sheffield Park. Mm-hmm. That's probably my main interest in history. But to me, Sheffield Park, there's no particular bit of history, I'd say, because Sheffield Park is history. Mm. So if you go back to mid ten hundreds, Godwin, King Harold's father, who's the first person we know had a dwelling here. Really? So you can go from that date right up to present. That is one big long stretch of history for is, one yeah. property. Yeah, yeah. So 
Yeah, it's Sheffield Park, the whole broad spectrum of history. The whole timeline. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. So, what what will you miss when you retire about this place? <coughs> or your job, or, or is there is there anything in particular? It's feel free. You know, don't you don't have to say me. Just let me know. You can you can say something else. <laughs> Sheffield Park is my history. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm going to miss. It's it's all my work in life. Mm-hmm. But it's also my childhood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a way. Yeah. So it. it uh, someone said this to me once before. I said, um, and I thought, how can I? How did I answer it? I said, um, I'm part of Sheffield Park. Sheffield Park's part of me. Hmm. way I can put it. Oh yeah, I will miss it, but. I've got nearly an acre of garden at home that I've never seemed to catch up with. <laughs> um, be it's nice, time to sort be that nice out, to actually to get on with some of the stuff I like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So uh, what advice would you give to future gardeners or rangers um, in the outdoor team at Sheffield Park and Garden? We all, basically we're all in this line, not to make money, but because mm. it's a passion. Mm-hmm. We love the countryside. Um, go by what you're feeling is right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what, what your soul, your heart tells you is right. But if you're going to change something, look at it in the sense that if you get it wrong, can you reverse it back to what it was? If you keep that in mind, as long as you can reverse it back, you can you can try anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, Give that, it a go. Yeah. Basically, yeah. But first of all, look at seeing if you could reverse it if it was wrong. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So, what's next for you in your retirement? Mm. You, you've mentioned your garden. Yeah, and I'd like to out. get back to painting. Never had. Always like art. Um, I've seen some water, of your drawings. Watercolours. I'd like to get back to having the time to paint. Because when you're working, it's it's, and you've got family and other things to do, you never have time. So that's one thing I'd like to get back to. Fantastic. And the fact that my wife, Deb, and I can, when we want to do something, we haven't got a plan. It's something we can't do. No, you can do it it today, do it tomorrow, just just go. Awesome. Fantastic. Now, last but not least, do you have a, a, a favourite bit of nature or, or, or a particular bit of wildlife around here that you've really enjoyed? I was thinking about it the other day because um, with shooting, it's, it, it, I was always taught that you should be part of the environment. You should be aware of all your surroundings and you're focusing on one thing. So you observe nature as it is. Um, and I was thinking of, I, it's just looking at every he- hedgerow, mm. sure. It's just, I can relate to all the countryside, but it's the things that are gone. Mm. That It's like, you don't see the hairs now. I was thinking right up to about the 90s, um, you don't see the hairs. It's things that have disappeared. But then you look at it, and then you've got birds of prey that you didn't see then that yeah. are coming back. Yeah. So 
No, it's just the countryside in general. I see some of it probably getting destroyed. Not, I suppose my biggest fear is it's not, you could put it as vandalism, but it's, it's more destroyed through lack of, um, more through ignorance, mm. uh, lack of knowledge of the countryside. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just, it's my life. If, if I could live somewhere in the countryside or on my own, I'd miss people, but I wouldn't. <laughs> We've had such a lifetime of lots of people. Um, it'd be nice to get away from that mass of people. Though I must say, there's been some very interesting people. When you speak to the public, you mm. meet people that you would never even come in contact with and have some very interesting discussion. You have to be aware how long you're spending talking to them because you can get carried away. <laughs> um, and colleagues. Yeah. Met some really interesting colleagues and worked with. So, yeah, it's there will be them things to miss, but hopefully I can still catch up with a few of them. Well, you're always welcome back, you know yeah. that, don't you? We'll be seeing you, I'm, we'll be seeing you, I'm sure. Fantastic, well, thank you very much for, right, for being interviewed friend. and answering the questions, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, right, there we go. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rustic Ranger podcast. I'd like to wish Al all the best in retirement and I'm sure I'll see him soon. If you did enjoy this episode, feel free to give it a like or even share it with your friends. You can follow me on Facebook, on Instagram and on Twitter. The handle is at a Rustic Ranger. I'd love to hear from you, hear your thoughts, hear your ideas. So please get in touch. Until then, I'll see you next time. Be good.